from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. And we're back. It's Locked On Chiefs for another return. It's Wednesday, and I hope you guys are doing well. We have a lot to talk about on the defensive side of the ball today, and Chris is still traveling, so I've got him on the phone. We're going to go through some of the primetime things that have to happen uh, in terms of one-on-ones. Who has to kind of fight their battle for their roster spot, for their role on this coming defense? And that's why this is so special, because there are so many new things on this defense. I'm very excited about it. I think Chris is a little bit, maybe not as much as me, but uh, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I know you're a little bit more excited to talk about defense than I am, but um, especially considering the talent level on this defense, but it is something that needs to be talked about, and, and there are definitely some position battles that are going to need to be figured out. Yeah, there's there's a ton, and it, as much enthusiasm and, and new takes that the new coaching staff brings, it also brings more questions. And I think, honestly, one that's probably on a lot of fans' minds right now is Chris Jones in particular, and yes, he's still... Uh, holding out, haven't heard any new rumors of uh, connection with the team and his representatives uh, that would be inching towards a deal. I would think that they're speaking, but we don't have confirmation of that right now. Now, Jones needs to report by August 6th in order to get himself a vested year, which will make him a free agent at the end of this contract. If he fails to do that, he becomes a restricted free agent, and the team can retain him, uh, basically matching any offer from any other team. There's There's no way he can get out of Kansas City. So uh, that kind of puts the bind on the player and the agent to make sure that he's in camp by that date. So given that we know he's going to play in Kansas City in 2019, there is a little bit of, of interest here at the beginning of camp because without Chris Jones taking snaps, that opens up a lot for what is really a smaller rotation inside at tackle right now. And I think personally that opens the door for Colin Sanders, uh, Saunders, sorry, Colin. Uh, the new draft pick that I think is really going to thrive in a three-technique role rather than the one-tech, but uh, you never know how they could move them around. How do you think that the absence or temporary absence of Jones might affect some of those guys that get more reps? Well, I think it's definitely good for Colin Saunders. Uh, you look at the situation, and you know we talked about tight ends yesterday, and we didn't bring this up, but it goes for them too. Travis Kelsey not being there for OTAs, and, and honestly, if he's not 100%, I would sit him in the first part of training camp because uh, he doesn't need the reps. Him and Mahomes are on the same page. But it goes the same for tight end than it would go for the defensive linemen. Those young guys getting reps because the the, state, the elder statesman, so to speak, isn't there is a good thing for the young guys. And I don't think it really hurts. It hurts Jones a little bit more than it hurts Kelsey because it is a new defense. Uh, but I am – very certain that he can get in there and, and pick up the defense in plenty of time to be ready for the season to start. Yeah, I feel like that as well. And, you know, it's an interesting group at that position because we, we've heard so much about the ends and how they're moving around. But when you really think about a guy that can play anywhere from what I think Nadi is going to be that kind of centerpiece, the, the tackle that actually plays more in the gap, in the A-gap uh, of a one technique. But when you look at the other... You can say that Speaks can come in there. You can say that Tano Passanio can come in there. We've seen a lot of, of that kind of information here over the last couple of weeks. But when you truly look at defensive tackles on this roster, it really is Naughty, Saunders, and then you have Xavier Williams uh, and Kayvon Walker even, along with Justin Hamilton, and that's really the the width of it. That's what you have to work with at a true D-tackle, and I'm 
Wondering who, in your opinion, gets the most benefit out of that if it isn't Saunders. No, I definitely agree with Saunders. Um, I think he, I'm not going to say he's a Chris Jones, but I'm going to say he's a Chris Jones type player. Uh, I think his motor is, is pretty good. I think he, and that's not necessarily a Jones thing, but I think his play style is a lot like Chris Jones. Um, so I do think it benefits him the most. I think he's going to see a lot of reps from Jones not being around. Uh, and I think it's going to be a big benefit for him when it comes to, uh, you know, and we kind of talked about this on the uh, roster prediction show a week or so ago. Uh, you know, I like Xavier Williams. I just don't know, know that he fits the defense. So Chris Jones not being here really doesn't help him because he doesn't really fit that same role. And I don't think they're going to have their defensive tackles be as interchangeable as, as maybe uh, you would necessarily think that they uh, could be. Uh, I think Nadia is going to have more of a specific role, uh, as will Chris Jones uh, and, and Saunders. And I think, you know, Justin Hamilton can play that role that, that Nadia is going to play. So the question is, is does Xavier Williams make the roster? And, and that's going to be something to watch down the road, too. And that is where I come out at as well. I think Justin Hamilton is really the wild card. You saw him put in some good snaps from time to time last season. You saw him... You know, try to uh, be a, a team player, especially when when talking with Justin Houston. There was that that game that Houston felt like he needed a push, and it came from Justin Hamilton of all people. And now it looks like, obviously, the investment in Saunders in uh, the draft. You, you're not going to part from him. You have your two starters. Do you carry five, or does it come down to, in my mind, Hamilton versus Xavier Williams? And that's really the battle that we have to watch. I don't know how you can keep five because I don't think you can keep 10 defensive linemen. I know we haven't talked about uh, the ends yet, but I can't imagine that they keep less than five. Uh, I just don't see there's any possible way that they keep less than five DEs. I obviously I have an opportunity to be wrong here, but uh, with the way the roster is constructed, you would think that they would want to keep five DEs. And that I think is going to be a big battle. I agree with you. And you know, we might as well just hit it because Clearly, in my mind, Okafor is the guy that starts opposite Frank Clark. I think it gives you the versatility because Okafor can actually drop fairly well if you want to disguise that and do some zone blitzing where he has to get backward into coverage. I can't say that of any other guy that can actually line up at the 4-3 DN, especially in the nickel package. But the interest comes for me when you get to Agba, who they've made an investment in, who can play outside, he can come inside as well speaks the same exact story, just a different capital expenditure in that they spent draft capital on him rather than money. Uh, and then the question mark in Tano Pasnio is probably the biggest one for me. Yeah, I, I have a really hard time believing that Tano Pasnio may be on the roster opening day. I mean, that's something that we've got to figure out in the coming weeks, but uh, he certainly looked like he's been on the outs for the past couple of uh, months and maybe even since Brett Beach took over, it just doesn't look like he fits what Beach wants. Uh, and, and we've kind of heard rumblings about that as well. You know, the the an interesting battle to me, and I don't think it's going to be a a very close battle. But I'm going to be watching Speaks and Ogba. Uh, I, I'm not. I expect Ogba to be the starter, uh, and I think Kansas City expects Ogba to be the starter. But you know what you have in Ogba. I don't know that you know what you have in Speaks. Young players usually ascend pretty quickly, and I think he has an opportunity to make a big step forward, and he's going to be playing a position that's more natural to him than he was trying to play last year. 
I agree, and I think you see that. And you know, there was a lot made from his his weight when he came back in OTAs, and I, I think the team was okay with him getting that weight because they intend to play him in there. But when you mean starter, do you mean Aqua starting at defensive end? Yes. Okay. So the, you look at Okafor being his backup. What was that? So you look at Okafor being the backup, and then speaks uh, being somewhere in between. You know what? I said it wrong. It's Okafor, not Agua. I apologize. Ah, okay, okay. Now I'm with you. Too many, pl- too many players, and too many O's. So uh, that's on me, and I, I do apologize. I got him confused for a second. No, I do think o- I think they expect Okafor to be the starter. Agua, I think, gives them versatility. I don't expect Speaks to take the job from Okafor, but I do think that Speaks is probably going to to show out pretty well this year, and I think he's going to play better than he did last year. So my again, my apologies. That's on me. I think you have an interesting point, though, because we always talk about the players taking a big jump in year two, uh, and I, I think he's kind of primed for that. So why don't we come back? We'll talk about the other guy that might make an impression out there at this particular group. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. With no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code MLB, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And the guy that I was hinting at before the break is somebody that's been on the roster, and he's played a Leo position in several defenses through the years, Jeremiah Adaocho. And I just don't know what to do with him. They're still listing him as a, a linebacker, as they are with Tano Passanio and Breland Speaks. Obviously, that's not you know a correct description, but... When you talk about versatility and being able to do multiple things, he does have a leg up on Speaks and Passio, in my opinion, and Ogba as well. And so I just don't know how much that has to play in yet until we see what Spags wants to do deploying this defense. How do you feel about Ocho going into camp? He's a wild card at this point, and I really don't know what to think. Um, I think he's got a possible possibility of making the team, but at the same time, it's either him or it would be him or K-Pass. Uh, does he bring more than, than Passigno? I, I don't know. Uh, are they going to try to play him at the end or are they going to keep him a linebacker? If they keep him at linebacker, I really don't see a position for him on the roster, but it's, it's really going to be hard to see what they're, it's really going to be hard to know what they're going to do until we, you know, see how things start playing out in OTAs and, and when the pads come on, because honestly, all this stuff in shorts really doesn't matter for the guys that are in the trenches the most. I agree with you. That's probably the two positional groups, these two along the front, that we've been able to, to get the least information on because of the, the phase of the offseason that they're in. When they actually start putting on pads and making contact, that's going to tell the tale. I am I'm holding holding back a little bit. I was just going to say, you can use technique all you want, 
But padless practices, you're not going to see what you have in a player until they actually have to either anchor or, uh, you know, move laterally or, you know, whatever it ends up becoming. I mean, there's there's lots of different variables that you just can't do without pads on. Yeah, that's going to be very, very telling when they come to those particular contacts. And they're not the only ones. We've talked quite a bit about the linebackers this offseason because I think a lot of folks are kind of concerned about it. Um, has anything changed for you in looking at, at what Darren Lee's role might be? I get a lot of questions on him in particular. You know, honestly, I, I still question what they're going to do with Darren Lee. I like that they traded for him. I think there's value there. I think he could be a great nickel linebacker. But are you going to bring him on the field and take Hitchens off? Or are you going to take Raglan off, move Hitchens over, and bring Lee on the field? Uh, what's your role going to be there, and, and how often are you going to use him? I don't really care about what they're paying him because they're, he's still on a rookie contract, so to me it's not a big deal. Um, but I think he has value. I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's going to be a starter. And if he's not a starter, I don't know that he's going to have – value to bring back in 2020 but in 2019 I definitely think there's going to be a place for him on this team you know the biggest thing with him is it really brings into question what they're going to do with O'Daniel too because I was thinking O'Daniel was going to be their nickel linebacker yeah I have to agree you know they're so close in terms of size in in strengths versus weaknesses uh, Lee is a bit faster overall but I feel like O'Daniel moves better in space so I, I do see them very similarly, just like you do. Well, it'll be so interesting to see how. So that brings me. I was just going to say, it's going to be interesting to see how they use Lee in OTAs. Yeah, I agree. If they're platooning him and O'Daniel in particular, if they're, if they're not on the field ever together, I think there's a possible role for them together at some point. Well, and the other question is, is do you go bigger in, in nickel and dime? I mean, you know, you used to be where they were bringing in three safeties. Do you use Lee and O'Daniel in a situation where you would have used a safety in the past to try to stop the run better? I mean, that's a possibility. For sure. You know, in years past, that's been the Achilles heel. And the safety group is an interesting one. I'm glad you mentioned them because I did a video last week on Juan Thornhill. And I think folks were surprised to to get the impression that I certainly feel Juan Thornhill's going to be the starter at free safety next to Tyron Matthew, and I, I don't think there's really much question about it at all. Do you? I don't. I think he's going to be the starter. I I can't imagine he comes out of training camp not being the starter of that position. So I, I think, you know, Matthew and, and Thornhill are your guys, and I think that's going to be a great duo, uh, hopefully for the next two or three years. Uh, and I'm excited to see what Thornhill can do next to Matthew. I, I agree. I feel like he's got the skill set to really be a playmaker in the back, but uh, he can also come down and do the slot thing. And I think that's, that's a rare commodity. And I think that plays into what you were talking about, Lee, as well. You can afford to go a little bit bigger if you have that kind of versatility. But the bigger battle for me is going to be the battle of the backups because I think you have three viable safety backups in Sorensen Watson, Jordan Lucas. You're, you're calling Sorensen viable? As a backup. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Does that mean he, a, a box safety is a is the third safety? Should they go three safeties? I don't personally think so. Um, and I have to feel like over, if you're talking about a guy who can play in space and could come in for Thornhill if he has to miss any time and play deep, uh, I have to give the edge out of the three of them to Armani Watts. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I, 
I and I don't disagree with that. I it's going to be very intriguing to see how that that safety that really I mean we're talking about the fifth safety, but at the same time we're also talking kind of about the third and fourth safety because we really don't know those three are so. I think that they think Thornton is probably their number three, but is that something that could be subject to change during training camp? Because again, you get into situations where you're running with full pads now. People look different. It's not just shorts. Uh, you're doing more of team stuff, not just one-on-one. Everything changes once the pads come on. Absolutely. And there's one more battle that we'll have to talk about. I hate saying it sounding like a broken record, but it, it changes so many different position groups that you just can't see in, in OTAs and in, in shorts. And we see that every year. We get a little bit ahead of ourselves. I think everybody does because they see what they can see, uh, and they forget that things change so drastically when they get those pads on. But um, that is not the most telling group, I think. So we do have one more to talk about. We'll take our second break, folks. We'll come back and hit the very tail end of the cornerbacks. So I've been running around and around about how this is going to work itself out. Uh, obviously, I think we're, we're comfortable with the top three, knowing that the Chiefs feel how they feel. It's beyond that. So when you look at this group, how do you feel about them? Who do you think might be the fourth guy, the guy that comes on the field when they get empty sets? Honestly, I'm not going to even try to venture a guess right now. I mean, it could be a number of guys. There's three guys I think that it could be. It could be Mark Fields. It could be Richard Fenton. It could be uh, Keith Reeser. I mean, it could be Demontre Wade. Uh, four guys, I guess, really. It could be. I don't think Traymond Smith is one of those guys that could be the fourth guy. Uh, and I think that pushes him off the roster at some point in the near future. Uh, but honestly, right now, I don't know that they know who their fourth guy is. I don't know that they know who their fifth guy is. Um, one of the bigger things, and as I said repeatedly already on this show, one of the big things, especially when you started getting into pads, when you can start popping people on the line, that really changes what a corner and a wide receiver can do, and you really see a difference in corners at that point. You know, technique is great. Yes, they can have fantastic technique, but if they can't jam or if they can't run stride for stride with a receiver or mirror or wide receiver, then it doesn't matter how good their technique is. So, you know, OTAs and, and training camp and OTAs helps, but training camp and preseason games are going to be big for the for the corner group, especially when you're playing against QBs that don't know you at all. True. And that's, that's the case for most of them, but there is one guy that I think the team is a lot higher on than we are, or certainly than I am, and it's a combination of things. We've seen him before. He's 27 years old, but I think I certainly don't feel as confident in Keith Reeser as the team does, but I think he might be that fourth guy. And then, if that's the case, because, you know, like you said, when the pads come on, things change, and he does have enough experience that he's not going to be fighting that versus all of these other guys, Fields, Fenton, even Monroe, definitely uh, Tremont Smith, they're all fighting that that still inexperienced level. And that could be very telling for them when they start fighting. And what I've been leaning towards is the punt return ability is going to keep Tremont Smith around for a while. So what I was thinking is that it was going to come down to Mark Fields versus Rashad Fenton, uh, a late, round draft choice versus a free agent. Maybe that plays into it. Maybe it doesn't. But the more I look at it, the more I wonder if this isn't a possibility that, yes, that is the the camp battle to watch, 
But even if there is a loser, that loser still might beat out everybody else for an actual roster spot. It's possible. I mean, they could definitely go six corners, uh, mainly because they don't have great talent. They don't. They have three good players. I think they have three good starters. I I still think Ward will be a. I'm not gonna say he's gonna be a you know, uh, top of the league starter, but I I think he's. Uh, you know, at least league average, and for your third corner, that's not a horrible spot to be, especially when you look at all the young, uh, at all the youth that they have on their roster. The one thing I disagree with you on is I really don't think being a punt returner is going to keep Tremont Smith on this team. Uh, I think there is value being a punt returner, but I think Hardman can do that job. Uh, I think they're going to have other guys that can step up and do that job. Maybe not as good as Smith, but if Smith can't offer anything at corner, I think he won't be on this roster. And that's a fair way to put it. So if there is somebody that he has to fight it out with, and given that we're trying to narrow down what the camp battles are going to be, who is it that Tremont Smith at corner has to beat out? Well, honestly, if if you think he's going to be a corner and he can play in your system, he he should be... Uh, a guy that can be, you know, your fifth corner, and he would have to be out. He would have to beat out Fenton. Um, I I think Fields is probably Fields or Reese are probably number four right now, uh, and that's just very preliminary without seeing how anything lines up. So, but he would have to consider beating out Fields or Reese or Wade. Um, I mean, that's three guys right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's possible he he makes the team, uh, and that doesn't include Fitton either. I think Fitton's on the roster uh, because he was a draft pick, but at the same time, we've seen him cut low draft picks before. I mean, it happens. If they just miss on somebody, I'd rather them cut him than keep him around just because he was a draft pick. True. A la what I think they're doing with Marcus Robinson, but that's another story. Well, and there are some that will work out. There are some that will be bored, and there are some that just have to go, like Kavari Russell a few years ago. That That is definitely a possibility. So I, I feel like probably the, the widest area of competition is, is at the two outside spots, at corner and at wide receiver, and I think it's just something we're going to have to keep our eyes on. So, folks, let us know who you think is in for the battle of camp. We want to know who you're looking forward to, and you're going to watch some one-on-ones and see how they do compared to someone else. Put those on Twitter, at Locked On Chiefs. Let us know what you think. We'll keep spinning out what we think as we dig through the rest of this. We will get into some highlights, some UDFAs to watch, as well as a couple other things here as we finish up this uh, last couple of weeks till they open camp and we actually have some real football to talk about. So, Chris, drive safe. Glad you were able to make it on, folks. Thanks for listening to us today, and we'll make sure that we give you some more information tomorrow. We will talk to you then. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube, Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com, and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.